0: Are you passionate about resolving conflicts and making positive impact on the world? Then USD's Conflict Management and Resolution Master's program may be for you. Learn to address conflicts at all levels, from personal disputes to global crises. Join the Croc School's dedicated community fostering peace and understanding while you acquire practical skills to navigate diverse settings. Apply now and be the change you want to see in the world. Visit sandiego.edu slash peace slash V-O-S-D. That's sandiego.edu slash peace slash V-O-S-D. This podcast is brought to you in part by the estate of Bob Nelson. Bob was a lover of all things San Diego and a longtime supporter of Voice of San Diego and its podcasts. We at Voice of San Diego are honored to have his support during his lifetime and continued support through his estate planning. Join culture creator Ramel Wallace, museum CEO Micah Parzin, philanthropist Erwin Jacobs, and urban agriculturist Diane Moss on Season 2 of Stop and Talk, a podcast about the future of the San Diego region. How can we create a vibrant region that celebrates our cultural richness and economic strength? Find out and hear other San Diego experts on Stop and Talk. Discover seasons one and two now at stopandtalkpodcast.com. That's stopandtalkpodcast.com.
1: Oh my God, he's a Taurus and Aquarius compatibility is poor. Okay, that yeah. should be the cold open
2: right there. That's, <laughs> that's the that's cold the open. Kind of
1: that's a whole lot of cheese there. <laughs>
0: Ooh.
3: Welcome to the Voice of San Diego podcast in partnership with NewsRadio 600 Kogo. I am Scott Lewis, the CEO and Editor-in-Chief at Voice San Diego, and I'm joined as always... Our managing editor, Andrea Lopez Villafanya. What is up, Lopez?
1: Hey, Lewis.
3: And joining us this week is education reporter Jacob McWinnie. What's up, Jacob? I'm doing okay. Coming up on the show this week, the race for county supervisor is heating up, but we're not talking this week about the one that opened up after Nathan Fletcher abruptly resigned. No. Republicans think they can take the North Coastal seat back from Supervisor Tara Lawson reamer She's running for re-election, and now there are two Republicans, two prominent ones, looking at taking her on. We'll talk about what's at stake there. SDSU is in the middle of separating from the Mountain West Conference. SDSU's in its last chapter of its big power move in sports. Is this a good sign or a bad sign the university submitted a letter of intent to split with the conference and now it must pay its old rivals? We'll check in on what's happening. And finally, what's with all the billionaires and their interest in investing in San Diego lately? We'll discuss. That's all coming up. Stay with us. Jacob, you are... um, We're not officially saying you're co-host.
2: Oh, okay. I I have like a proving period. Well, we're just gonna see how it goes.
3: We have to jump you in. Yeah. yeah. So (laughs) prepare for that. Okay, got it. Got it. Yeah. Um, but I do one of the things that has has you in a higher regard with me lately (laughs) is is your take on it's gonna blow. Yes. All right. So I want to, I will start using, it's going to blow a lot, but I think before I make it a thing that I did, Mm -hmm. I want to give it to you first. I want you to, I want to give you what you gave me. That's
2: really kind. So you want to be able to sort of like put in the lore that this is my take. Yes. But then,
3: but then abuse it (laughs) forever. Absolutely. Okay. Understood. So if I do my time now, you get it. Okay. Uh uh All right. So explain, it's going to blow to us. Okay,
2: so it's gonna blow. Is this documentary about the really vibrant and you'll see why this matters later up and coming uh, music scene of San Diego in like the mid '90s um, that really consisted of uh, a bunch of post-hardcore bands. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were drive like Jehu, um, Antioch Arrow, all of these really really influential bands that that had people saying that San Diego was going to be the next Seattle. You know, the grunge scene had been really big and people were looking at our little, you know, quaint village and saying this is going to be the next place on the West Coast where a new genre is going to explode from. There were uh, record label battles over who gets to sign who. And after all of that, it didn't really blow. <laughs> <laughs> sort of fizzled out and and uh, ultimately I my... Kind of unified theory of how to approach San Diego is that San Diego is the town where it's gonna
3: blow. It's always gonna
2: blow. <laughs> it's always gonna blow. Yeah. And
3: now, now that you've infected me with that phrase, I I do everything with it. <laughs> I gave a speech to a a, a group oh of of older engaged folks in La Jolla the other day, and I structured it around the concept of it's gonna blow, <laughs> and it was brilliant. It worked. It worked. Did you
1: give Jacob credit?
3: Yeah, totally. Uh-huh.
2: Oh, okay, yeah. I, I, did, was that recorded? I'd love to. I'd love to see. Was I in a footnote? No,
3: I, I. I'm sure we can call the host and see if they remember that part. But, but, but it's it. There are a lot of things in San Diego that are always going to blow. The Padres. Yep. they were going to blow. It's been a little rough for a while.
2: And sports is the perfect example of this. I mean, whether you talk about the Padres who acquired all these superstars and now mm-hmm. seem to be kind of. Poop in the bed, I guess, is the kind way to put it. Or you think about the Chargers, who every single season, they were supposed to do something. It's going to blow. But you can expand it to all sorts of elements of San Diego. Sports
3: arena is going to blow. The new city hall is going to blow. It's a
1: very weird (laughs) (laughs) wording. It's going to blow. It's not going to blow up. (laughs) It's going to blow. It's going
3: to blow. Yeah. 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 In the good way. All right. One of the things that was going to blow, and I think it's blowing, maybe, (laughs) <laughs> in a classic San Diego style, no, in a real like it's okay. actually blowing up, yeah. which is it's San Diego State. Yeah, and San Diego State and its athletics are on now a five-year or more trajectory mm-hmm. of of they're about to blow. Yeah, they they want a new stadium. They got it. They um they wanted to get the development and everything done and and they wanted to get an mls team in to prove that they could do that as well they got that Mm -hmm. the basketball team reached the very last game of the season which you want to do which is the championship they did not win it that's a that was, that's pretty good. Yeah. But they got there. They got there.
2: There's also actually, educationally, there's this big movement to make SDSU an R1 research university. Right. Which, again, is just more blowage, I guess. All right. Well, <laughs> of
3: course, the education reporter's got to get real for well, a second. Well, you know, you know. Sports, <laughs> that's, what, that's, is. That's what That's what you hired me to do. This is a university. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Let's talk about education for a sec.
3: <laughs> All right. Uh, the softball team, I'm going to bring that up. They went to the World Series, or they went to, they won the uh Mountain West Conference Tournament almost got to the World Series of mm. uh of women's world series. Oh, you
1: know my cousins on that team?
3: What? Yeah. Who? Julian. Sellies? Yeah. Really? Yes. You you know Julian Sellies? She's,
1: well, she's my cousin, yeah.
3: <laughs> we didn't <laughs> talk about this. I, <laughs> I
1: wish you guys could see his face right now. I, <laughs> I know her mom. Him...
3: I well I met her mom at yeah. this, at the game a couple times. Yeah. She's, Norma. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> she's great. She yeah. she's she's a great hitter. Okay. Well anyway the last chapter of San Diego State's ascendance in this moment—the the one—the one, the, the moment where it truly blows—is if the school becomes part of a Power Five conference. There are five Power conferences, as they're called, in this country, mostly around college football, but they're but they're all sports conferences, right? So the SEC, the ACC, the Big Ten, Big Twelve, and the Pac Twelve are all these Power Five conferences. And SESU really wants to be a part. They don't want to be part of the Little Mountain West (laughs) Conference. Utah got to go to the Pac-12. You know, SESU's wanted this. Now, the new stadium and all of the success seems to be lining it up for that. They sent a letter to... The Mountain West and said, Hey, we're we're gonna be done with you. Yeah. We're we're done with your little world. We we're wanna gonna...
1: see other people. <laughs> yeah,
2: basically. I, I like to think of it. So imagine you have a partner that you live with, mm-hmm. right? And you hit them up and you say, Listen, you know, it's not working out, but um I, I wanna stay for the rest of the month. But at the same time, you're up against this like your your lease is about to expire. <laughs> and so you have to make this decision, do I leave before? My I lease mean. expires or do I leave after the lease expires and which doubles how much live. you have to pay? Yeah. Right. But but you let, you know, your partner know, I don't think it's working out. Over the long term, I think we're gonna be leaving. But can we maybe extend how long I stay for a bit? Mm-hmm. And your partner says, No, we're done. Yeah. You know, shuts the door, pack and your which shit up. Yeah, pack your shit up, which basically is what happened with the Mountain West.
3: Yeah, the Mountain West conference said Thanks for your letter. Send us seventeen million dollars. <laughs> yeah, which is the and,
2: which is the exit fee for this conference. And, which would have, have doubled
3: had they stayed had they decided to leave after June 30th. Right. Yeah. So the problem is the SCSU has not been invited yet to a Power Five conference or the Pac-Twelve. It sounds like the Pac-Twelve is probably the natural place, but the Pac-Twelve's got a lot going on. Yeah. There are a couple of teams, California teams. Or universities. They're actually universities. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they, <laughs> they, they, they do things other educational than educational institutions. Know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They are leaving the PAC 12, and that's causing a lot of tension problems. Mm-hmm. And so the PAC 12's got a lot going on. They're like, hey, we want to. They're
2: also sort of uh, negotiating this new media rights deal that, that may actually preclude them from inviting anybody new before they kind of wrap up that those negotiations.
3: Right. So. Uh, we're all pretty interested in this story, and and I think it, it's it will the uh, will the university be able to make that payment? Uh, how does they want to do a payment plan? And the Mountain West is like, no, just the check's <laughs> yeah, Good, yeah. you could just send us the check. <laughs> Here's our Venmo. <laughs> pretty uh, much, yeah. Uh, so we'll be interested to see, but that is the last step that they need to take to, I think, blow. Yeah, finally. And, and
2: it's an it's an interesting situation because I think a lot of things are now up in the air, right? Um, San Diego State took that letter as the breakup letter and said, you're out on June 30th. And so while there was this tension about whether or not they leave before June 30th or after June 30th and have that $17 million exit fee they have to pay double to $34 million, now it just looks like they're out of a conference. Yeah. And at the same time, their like new flame has not extended its hand, but- their ex has like slammed the door and thrown everything out on the curb and so it's it's i think it's a a weird position for them to be yeah. in.
3: Uh, another update, uh we wanted to follow up uh, last week on uh the homelessness discussion, so we if you haven't checked that out, Jacob was part of a round table we did about the city's decision to Ban homeless encampments uh, across San Diego if shelters are available, and within two blocks of certain sensitive areas like schools and and riverbeds and shelters. If at at all times, no matter whether there's shelter available or not, uh, you uh, provided a great input of uh, people you talked to who were uh, encamped on the streets uh, and their uncertainty about what's happening. So I wanted to follow up. One thing I don't think I articulated well enough then, but I I am. I think of all the things that that vote did or didn't do and we're going to see. It was and I think Joe Lacava said this on the days that it was the best most comprehensive and deepest discussion about homelessness that the city council has ever had. I think I think mm-hmm. they they've done a lot of discussions about uh, specific shelters here or a policy there or whatever. Over the, They've probably done thousands of those <laughs> over the last many years. But I think this was the first one where the biggest questions about homelessness were grappled with mm-hmm. and where the, the, the depth of the problem was and the, the lack of shelters and all kinds of things. All of the biggest issues of homelessness were discussed. Now, it doesn't mean that they came to a the great resolution or whatever. or And I think it really is problematic. And I don't think we talked about this enough that it was a five to four vote mm-hmm. uh, on such a divisive and, and important step for the city to take to be divided, especially along like historically racially segregated lines too. Like that's a little well, not a little, it's it's very disturbing. So I think there's a lot of issues like that. But I think it's it is fair to say that was like a huge discussion. And I'm and I'm in a way, if that's the only thing we got out of it. I think that's a good step mm-hmm. to to a- acknowledge as a community that we all need to have that level of discussion probably every few months now uh, until it, we see real progress on things. So um, that that's one thing I wanted to get across.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, the second vote is happening next week. Right. Um, and then after that, once the mayor signs it, I believe, and remind me if I'm confused here, but they set like a 30-day after he signs or 30 day after they open the first safe lot, right?
3: They said they wouldn't start enforcing until 30 days after the first safe parking lot is opened. And he says that'll be next week or a week from the next few days. We'll see if that comes forward or Mm -hmm. not. Mm -hmm. Uh, I do think, um, I do think there is a chance that the problem will show some signs of improvement if a lot of people are allowed to move into that safe lot rapidly. Mm -hmm. Um, without the enforcement part of it. But when that gets filled and when the next one gets filled, that's where like the real issue comes. Mm -hmm. What happens then? Are they going to push people around, create chaos, even more violence? Or do they, I don't know, that's the biggest question going forward.
2: I mean, I think the whole the vote as a whole is is it's a really strange position. I th- I think that a lot of it is pretty discouraging, but it also does seem to be a call to arms. And in, in certain ways, you know, uh, for example, San Diego Unified uh, recently offered up some properties f- right. uh, for the district to potentially lease uh, license for free, um, and then the, the the city would essentially take control of this and hire a contractor and pay for it, uh, uh, a service provider to, to manage these sites. Uh, there are multiple sites and they could set up parking, yeah, safe parking in all of the lots, but also a really interesting thing that uh, council mem- uh, school board member Richard Brera told me is that he, he hopes that they can set up actually safe camping sites inside the old campus at at central elementary which is a pretty novel idea i think at least for san diego mm-hmm. uh, and would offer you know a whole bunch of benefits from the fact that there's already electricity and lighting and wi-fi and Playgrounds. Um, and a playground
1: restrooms
2: yeah and restrooms
3: yeah so i think that that's exactly what i would i would i think the best case scenario would mm-hmm. be is that if we continue to match the energy and anxiety and the suffering on the streets with the with uh, policy discussions at that same level that maybe it will provoke everybody to pitch in where they can mm-hmm. and for every day from now forward to be an opportunity for these leaders to put forward another place where somebody's stepping up and offering space, another place where somebody is uh, is offering um, a unit or a hotel yeah. conversion or something to make possible the great transition that they hope to see, which is the encampments move off the streets and into safe somethings. Yeah. Uh, Cause right now there's, there there's energy and there's a measure to push them off the streets, but there's there as they all admit not enough places for them to go. So that needs to be resolved somehow. So if they're going to keep the energy on this side, then where's the energy on, on the other side and will it continue? So, that was a, that was an interesting discussion and, um,
2: and kind of, the, I mean, the sooner the better because these things take a long time to roll out. And so these potential sites at, at San Diego Unified Properties are unlikely to come online anytime soon. Right. You know, uh,
3: also another update on that, um, front the, on July 12th, uh, another court will be hearing and ruling on, you might remember this, uh, uh, increase to the hotel room tax that was put on the ballot right before the pandemic. It passed, but not with two thirds of the vote. And the city and others are arguing that because it was a citizen's initiative, it did not need two thirds of the vote, even though the city attorney had said herself twice (laughs) in the ballot language that it does need two thirds of the vote. And that is one of the legal problems with it becoming law still and so that uh, the courts are still deci- deciding you know back and forth whether that is something that could be implemented or not and in in July we might have an answer to that now that was uh money that was supposed to be set aside for a convention center expansion of course uh road repair but also homeless services and and housing so uh, that could unleash a significant amount of money if that were to come through or it's just another court date and nothing will happen because it's going to blow. But it did. <laughs> didn't. <laughs> uh, lastly, I wanted to get an update from you. You did a story this week about the Immigration and Customs Enforcement uh, Agency.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So basically, um, Jesse and I worked on this this story for a while. Um, uh, a Wired reporter a little while back got this FOIA uh, or, or received a database back from this FOIA request that that showed that Uh, Immigrations and Customs Enforcement had issued hundreds of thousands of these summonses called 1509 summonses. And and they essentially are supposed to be strictly for um, customs, illegal imports, these kinds of investigations. Uh, Broadly, you can understand ICE's work to fall into kind of two categories. One is like goods and the other is people. And these summonses are supposed to be strictly in the goods category of enforcement. Um we this Wired reporter was kind enough to give us this this uh database that he'd received and we scraped through it and found um hundreds of summonses that were sent to San Diego area organizations from uh from government organizations to a whole lot to utilities providers and also some to schools. Uh we were able to get a hold of some of these these summonses that were sent out, uh specifically one to Sweetwater and one to San Diego State. And the San Diego State one was very interesting because we also got a whole uh, email chain of, uh, uh, of an agent speaking to you know, San Diego State officials. And we, we found that um, ICE was requesting uh, personal medical information of two students um, and that specifically uh, COVID-19 vaccine status, mm-hmm. which is a very strange thing if you are using a summons that is supposed to be <laughs> for, goods. <laughs> for goods and not people. Um, I mean, obviously, a lot of this is speculation, but it would seem that especially given the timing of this summons, which was sent shortly after uh, federal federal officials made it, uh, COVID vaccination required to gain permanent legal status, mm-hmm. it would seem that these summonses were being used for immigration investigations, which uh, is not what they're supposed to be used for. And there's a long history of ICE being criticized by legal experts, uh, even uh, Senator Ron Wyden, for example, um, for misusing these summons and issuing them over broadly uh, for things that they are not meant to be used for.
3: Oh, fascinating. It's amazing what happens under the radar and and um, surfaces like this.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And it, this is especially under the radar because these summonses are administrative subpoenas and they don't require judicial oversight. So there's a lot of, of a lot of this is just drowned in fog and it's it's difficult. It's a very opaque system and, and a very, very opaque agency.
3: You can read about that more at uh, VUSD.org slash Jacob, but with a K.
2: <laughs> with a K, yeah.
3: Okay, we heard this week about uh, LA Rams owner and owner of, frankly, mi- many, many things. Uh, Stan Kroenke owns the Denver Nuggets of the NBA fame, obviously the new NBA champions.
2: Sure, wow! Congratulations to that man.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure he appreciates that. <laughs> uh, he owns, uh, I, you know, his his wife was from the the Walmart fortune. Obviously, his big renown in San Diego is that he created the stadium in and paid for the six billion dollar stadium in Inglewood, California that the Chargers now rent for a dollar a year. And uh, a lot of people are like, oh, they're tenants in this guy's thing. They pay a dollar a year for the best stadium that exists. So who's laughing now, right? (laughs)
2: What what, I mean, to be honest, this is news to me. I I feel like my head is spinning. Why do they get it for a dollar?
3: Do you want me to do that?
2: I do. I do want you to do that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to do that?
3: Uh, Let's see how fast I can do this. Okay, so... Way back when, when the Chargers were trying to get a new stadium here and it was, it was not going well and they decided to give up and try to get a stadium with the Raiders in mm-hmm. L.A., they partnered with the Raiders and came up with a plan for Carson, a big stadium in Carson. Mm-hmm. Uh, the They thought they were going to win because the other owners love them. They're the, the old guard of young or of, you know, heirs to the. Yeah, old the
2: teams notoriously lovable Spanos family. <laughs> yes,
3: they thought for sure they had it, but uh, this guy who has billions more dollars, Stan Kroenke, and was friends with Jerry Jones, the other you know most prominent person uh, among NFL owners, mm-hmm. uh, they sort of misinterpreted their position in the league, and the league decided that instead of the Raiders and Chargers idea in Carson. That they liked, the other owners liked the plan to build a uh, several billion dollar stadium and complex at Inglewood instead that Stan Kroenke had um, put in motion. And so the other owners felt bad for this decision. And so (laughs) they said to uh, Dean Spanos, they said, sorry about that, but you can have the second spot at the stadium. It's built for two teams. You could have your spot there. You get first right, and if you don't take it, then the Raiders get the opportunity to move there. Hmm. So, in a way, the uh, Spanos family was in kind of stuck, right? Because so they said, "Well, we'll go back to the San Diego for one more year to see if we can get a new stadium here," and um, but uh, also we we can't really live with the idea that the Raiders and the Rams moved to LA mm-hmm. because they were under the impression that the Chargers had a lot of uh, fans in LA and that if the Raiders and the Rams went to LA, then basically San Diego Chargers would just be a San Diego team mm-hmm. going forward. They would just be, they would be stuck being the little billionaires instead of the big, big billionaires, oh, poor, right? Poor, poor, boys. Right, and so they, um, the deal that they ended up working out was just glorious for them. In, and the other NFL owners just thought, well, they'll never take it because mm-hmm. they're just going to squeeze San Diego for a new stadium. They'll get their new stadium and they'll use this leverage to squeeze San Diego. And meanwhile, the Spanos looked at this and said, oh, we just pay a dollar a year in rent. We have to pay a relocation fee. But e- even that can be financed over decades. Mm-hmm. And that's not that big a deal given the gobs of money we make. <laughs> uh, and so and so. They looked at that and said, "That's a pretty good deal." Yeah, and so they spent a year here saying, "Like, hey, maybe you could build a palace for us downtown, as big and beautiful as this thing." uh, And if you don't want to, fine, we'll leave. And the voters looked at that and said, "No, we don't want to." You, you you know, why don't we do something smaller? And they said, "Fine, we'll leave." And they went to L.A. to be there. And so uh, they, the Kronke's investment in that stadium in L.A. went from or in Inglewood, from like $2 billion idea to, to $6 billion. It, it exploded in cost because of all these different things and these factors in that, which meant he had to take all of that cost himself. Mm. The Chargers had agreed to to sell seat licenses, they're called, the license, the the ability to purchase season tickets <laughs> at these facilities. It's like the, the right to buy tickets. Huh. Um, and But the Chargers and all that money would go to funding the stadium but the Chargers realized, like, why would we do that? Why would we sell these? Because we are, we're not on the hook. He has to build this stadium. We don't. Mm. And we're just going to rent for a year. So they didn't sell any of their side of it. And Kroenke had to, had to foot the entire bill, billions of dollars. So he hates the Chargers. <laughs> and they're just like, and everybody always uh, talks about the Chargers. Oh, they're just renting the stadium that, that he bought. They're renting for a dollar. They, they came out so good in this. <laughs> They have a they have a team they get twenty years in the stadium for a dollar each year, and then they get an option for another twenty years for a dollar each year and so it's like it's great they did great
2: well you you said one thing that I'm confused and curious about how is a stadium built for two teams? Are there like three different locker rooms or yeah, something there's, there's oh, okay. different
3: locker rooms there's different uh they they built it so that it can change uh branding really easily. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it and all kinds of stuff like hmm, that. They okay. they that that was one of the, the conditions the other owners put on and mm-hmm. that it needed to be able to accommodate two teams because they felt like the LA area could handle that. Hmm. And so um yeah, it's 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 an incredibly good deal for the Chargers. So I think it's it's misunderstood a little bit that the Chargers why the Chargers left. they they I think in their interpretation, they were they had no choice but mm-hmm. to leave. This was such a good deal, and if they didn't take it, the Raiders, were going to take it, and um, you know they just weren't interested in the puny seven hundred million dollar stadium that we could build here, mm-hmm. right? Which would be an amazing stadium, <laughs> but um, that's that's how that all worked out. So Cronky's the guy behind all of that. Got it. So the news this week was that Cronky had decided to become the lead investor, 90% of the equity of the new Midway Rising project in the sports arena area was now his. And he was the guy in charge of this. And so this this consortium of uh, uh, partners that had gotten together, of affordable housing developer, Chelsea, uh, Zephyr uh, developer, housing, um, a guy named Brad Termini, who, by the way, is also one of the owners of the new MLS team, uh, he is the one, kind of the principal involved in this whole consortium. He and, and then the Legends Group. This is the group that sells tickets to sporting events and promotes things a lot and, and has the connection to Kroenke. And they all pulled in Cronky And now Cronky is the 90% investor. So we have this awkward situation where the Spanos family left San Diego, decided not to invest in San Diego. And now the, the guy that sort of built the home for them to move in L.A., <laughs> is now investing you know, a lot of money into this project. There are a lot of sports dudes out there very excited about this because this guy owns an, an NHL team, an NBA teams, mm-hmm. all these football teams. So he's obviously going to bring a big you know, an NBA team or something to San Diego when he builds this new arena. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> he's not going to. Stop that. This is not a sports story. He is investing in the housing development, several thousand new units that are going to be built in a nice area near Coastal San Diego. Very excited about that. They're going to build a new arena, but it's going to be a small arena for concerts and for you know minor league hockey teams and stuff like that. Okay?
2: Now, Scott, I, I know you're saying this, <laughs> but it's going to blow. I mean, you, you don't know. <laughs> You don't, you Are don't. you
1: a sport, one of these sports dudes? If,
2: if an, uh, I will say, if an NBA team came to San Diego, I would lose my mind. <laughs> I would start watching the NBA again. I love basketball, is, you know, people School have opinions. Life. People have opinions, but the fact is, basketball is the best sport. It uh, is. You know? it's a good it is. Sport. It's, 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 you know, it's great.
3: It's a, it's an engaged, it's a smaller arena. They, they could absolutely fill it. People would go gaga for it. It yeah. would be fun. Uh, it's not happening. It stopped just put it away. At least not because of this. Maybe some other reason. But if you built another arena in San Diego, would have to compete with this. They're not they can't they can't build this and have an NBA team. It's just not happening.
2: Hmm. So are, are you saying, "Oh, okay, I I see what you're saying." So the the arena that they planned for it's is not going to be big enough for an NBA team. Right. So you, but building that would mean that they wouldn't be able to build another arena for an NBA team?
3: Right, because the other arena would need the things that this arena is going to take you know the concerts and the, um, the smaller events and stuff like that, and so
2: so you're telling me that Kronky coming to build this arena is going to mean that there's never going to be an NBA team in San Diego. That's what I'm telling you. I hate Kronky. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very against this arena now.
3: Well, there's a you're not alone. I'm very against
1: this arena now. <laughs>
3: you're you're not alone, but that's uh, I just want to make this sure.
1: decision that they're not going to make it a big grand arena.
3: Yes, because so I learned this so. The the sports arena is what, like 13,000 seats right now. The new one would be um, like 16,000. Mm-hmm. Uh, an NBA team, an NHL team usually needs like 20,000. But to get to that next level, you have to build a whole new like concourse level on top of the arena. And it just adds exponentially to the cost mm. of an arena. So 16,000 seats you can handle. Mm-hmm. But uh, at that next level, you got to add so much cost. All this exterior supports, all these—it's a whole new bowl on top, and mm-hmm. it's just—it's just too much money. But
1: he's a billionaire.
3: I exactly. I have heard. <laughs>
2: I, <laughs> I, thought he just built like a six billion dollar stadium up six in, in L.A. This what is, we don't deserve good things in San no, Diego. This is
3: this is what I wanted to clarify. Is I think a lot of people are like, oh, dude's gonna drop yeah a bunch of money on this stuff. And we're gonna get the the shiny new arena we wanted, and Final Four is gonna come here, and the NBA and all that. It's, no, yeah. it's not. He this that area can't handle that. By the way, oh, along cool. with several thousand new housing units, they're gonna build a little place for Neil Diamond to come. Well, I guess Neil Diamond's <laughs> probably not coming. <laughs> so,
2: so, so, do you enjoy being the bearer of bad news?
3: I enjoy. Forcing San Diego to confront its darkest realities. So, yes. Yes. <laughs> I think San Diego's strong enough to. I don't know if you've heard me say that. Scott, yeah, Scott truth matters, but hope Did you get that matters. from someone too? No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that was the Scott. That's me. Okay.
3: Yeah. But that is the third billionaire that I have identified recently who's come in to drop some cash on San Diego.
1: Who were the other two? The yeah. other
3: one was Ron Burkle. Ron Burkle is an L.A. area m- billionaire who made his money from uh, supermarkets. Mm-hmm. You, know, uh, you know, Fred Meyer? Do You know Fred Meyer? These sort of supermarkets he helped develop and now he's a billionaire. Nice. Uh, he had a big stake in Whole Foods for a while. That worked out. But uh,
2: Burkle does sound like a product that Whole Foods would sell. <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, he is the owner of The Wave, the San Diego uh, women's uh, soccer team, and they have been installed in San Diego. Uh, the next one, Mohammed Mansour. Mm. He is uh, part of the $500 million uh, ownership group, uh, half and half basically with Siquan. Um Mohammed Mansour, the Egyptian, you can't, it's funny how every description of him is a British Egyptian billionaire. Mm-hmm. Um so he is now here with his uh, massive investment. They're going to build. We had a great interview with the CEO uh, of the um new FC San Diego or Tom San Diego Penn. FC. Yeah, Tom Penn. Look
1: at me, sports.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, so why does it have to be FC San Diego? That's a pretty boring name.
3: He said, "Well, FC is good enough for Barcelona, why can't it oh, be good yeah, enough yeah. for us?"
2: That's that's a top that out answer. The
3: biggest the biggest <laughs> He said, "The biggest uh, de- decision they have to make is it going to be San Diego Football Club or Football Club San Diego." See, these people are just not thinking big enough. <laughs> well, that's that's the thing. If you're a billionaire, what do you got to lose, right? Like, exactly, take some risks, yeah. right? Uh, but in a name instead of a submersible, twelve thousand <laughs> <laughs> feet. Exactly. Exactly. So I asked Siquan, you know, after decades and decades of people using. Native American imagery in sports, like you actually are, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. part of that world. Like you could use that imagery more positively or something. Why not do the Kumeyaay or something? they're like, nope, absolutely not. (laughs) Not going there. And so I don't. Yeah. So I think they're just going to go with FC San Diego, probably.
1: But what's up with all these billionaires?
3: Uh, and then the third billionaire is Kroenke. So yeah. now there, there's now all these big. So the question is, are we the big city now attracting all these, you know, investments or are we like being like colonized in hmm. this like way of like people coming in? We set up these platforms and they're just like, okay, we will, <laughs> we'll, we'll take the profits <laughs> from that then.
2: Is this what Todd Gloria means when he talks about big city energy?
3: I think so. I guess. <laughs> yeah. If if Burkle and Cronky and, and Muhammad Mansour want to come buy stuff here, then then we're, we're, we're now the, the big city.
2: Got it. So it's now we moves. can move on to sexy
0: streets.
3: We're going to take a quick break. Stay with us.
0: Are you passionate about resolving conflicts and making positive impact on the world? Then USD's Conflict Management and Resolution Master's Program may be for you. Learn to address conflicts at all levels, from personal disputes to global crises. Join the Croc School's dedicated community fostering peace and understanding while you acquire practical skills to navigate diverse settings. Apply now and be the change you want to see in the world. Visit sandiego.edu slash peace slash VOSD. That's sandiego.edu slash peace slash VOSD. Join culture creator Ramel Wallace, museum CEO Micah Parson, philanthropist Erwin Jacobs, and urban agriculturist Diane Moss on Season 2 of Stop and Talk, a podcast about the future of the San Diego region. How can we create a vibrant region that celebrates our cultural richness and economic strength? Find out and hear other San Diego experts on Stop and Talk. Discover Seasons 1 and 2 now at stopandtalkpodcast.com. That's stopandtalkpodcast.com.
3: One of the things that was going to blow was the Democrats in San Diego. Mm. They were going going to take over San Diego and start running things. It's going to be a new progressive future, right? Things were going to be completely different. Uh, The Democrats were going to be in power into perpetuity because of the demographics and all the the trump stuff and just mm-hmm. they had just established right mm-hmm. um and one of the big signs of that was that the county board of supervisors five supervisors who oversee the entire county of san diego now the county just for as a refresher provides a lot of the softer services of of government right the uh air pollution control the um, uh, food benefits, uh, food assistance, uh, uh, healthcare for the, uh, poorest folks in San Diego. So the, the, they're not the ones providing like street repair in the city mm-hmm. or police yeah. cool. services in the city uh, that they do help set the budget of the sheriff that does have the role in some of these cities, uh, and in unincorporated areas of, of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do have a County library system that goes outside the city of San Diego that kind of thing. But, you know, again, it's a different. So if you have, you, you, if you live in the city of San Diego, you have a city council member, but you also are represented by a, a county supervisor at the county level, right? Yeah. And so one of the things that happened Nathan Fletcher got elected, and then Nora Vargas and Tara Lawson Reamer got elected, and three Democrats were suddenly in charge of the county board of supervisors. And instead of rotating around who was chair, they made uh, Nathan Fletcher the chair, uh, you know, for a couple years there. And he and the team really did realign the priorities of spending, labor relations, uh, social welfare benefit, behavioral health issues. All these things were completely the priorities were completely changed yeah. under this new democratic leadership, right? And so that was supposed to endure. They thought that was going to be the new reality of county government for a long time. But I'm not sure that it's going to. So first, Nathan fell, obviously, resigned abruptly after he was accused of sexual assault and um, of uh, what he called consensual interactions with an employee at the MTS uh, agency and that effort to replace him. Now, there are two Democrats running for that seat, right? Janessa Goldbeck. And
1: Monica
3: uh, Montgomery Yeah. Monica Montgomery step. And they are, um, uh, they're going to fight that out. And there is a Republican running for that. Uh, Amy, Amy Reichert Reichert. Yes. Yeah. And so uh, she just got the endorsement, I think of the police officers uh, association. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um, that's not the, the sheriff's yet. I'm not sure if they've made a call yet. I'm not sure. But they very well might go for her.
2: It's probably, it's probably likely.
3: And so, um, but I think it's a, Pretty remote that the Republican would win that race, although who knows with these low turnout races. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. But um, in the meantime, Tara Lawson, a Supervisor, is running for re-election. Her district changed a little bit; it now includes Coronado, Point Loma, and goes all the way down. It used to be uh, sort of Encinitas over to Escondido. Mm. Now it's all of that. It goes down all the way down to Coronado on the coast. So she is uh, running for re-election, and. Coronado Mayor Richard Bailey made it clear for a while that he was probably running for that. Now I made it clear he wouldn't say I'm running for that, but he's been sending mailers out to. I got one. Says, you know, it's time for a California comeback. And yeah, it's, it's him all like. Yeah, I've been, good. I've been,
2: I've been joking for weeks that, that someone needs to, someone needs to write the Richard Bailey is running for something article, mm-hmm. because it was just so clear. I mean, he was posting videos on on Twitter and Websites. sponsored sponsored videos yeah. on YouTube talking about. You know they, how they could buy every San Diegan a Tesla in, in, uh, for the same price of the MTS budget. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, he was he was throwing punches.
3: He was. He was talking about uh, the crisis with homelessness and and um, how he would deal with it better. Uh, again, this flyer went to everybody uh, or a lot thousands of uh, families across the the county. He says not just to uh, me. But, um, <laughs> but not just to you, it does take a special someone to, to send out a, a mailer to everybody's house, just about how cool you are. Right. It, <laughs> I, w- I would respect
2: that. Honestly, when
3: you're not running for something to just send a, a mailer out about how, like I mean, you'd probably be. Into I could that. do
1: that. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty easy. It's a picture of you, and, of
2: you and, and and the pup. I exist. The, the one you like.
3: Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Have you thought Fabulous. about me? <laughs> Have you considered me? I'm not running for anything. I'm just here.
2: Well, there is there is a certain beauty in in knowing that people know that you exist. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of terrifying, also. But but yeah. You
3: know. So uh, we all assumed that meant he was kind of set in the stage for running for this county supervisor seat. Uh, But he went to climb Mount Everest. And when he (laughs) came back... Just cash. Again, it's what you you do. Yeah. And when he came back, uh, it looked as though another Republican was looking at this office, and that is a former mayor of San Diego, Kevin Faulkner, ran for governor. You might remember. Yeah. That didn't go well. (laughs) But he... He uh, he ran for governor in the runoff campaign, and that didn't go well. But he, or in the recall campaign, excuse yeah. me, and and now it looks like he is going to run for office. Now I couldn't confirm that explicitly with his team. I did confirm that they uh, that some of his supporters, uh, I think, led by the Lincoln Club in town, the conservative political action committee, business oriented, uh, usually supports Republicans, but makes a point of saying we sometimes support Democrats. Mm. Uh, But it's very conservative-leaning. They uh, commissioned a poll that apparently shows that his his position in this race would be very strong. Mm -hmm. And so he wants to run. And so now we have a situation where these two guys might want to run against the incumbent. Now, Republicans famously are are better at narrowing their field. They do not want two different candidates that they have to fund (laughs) to, to go into this. And so they are... Uh, I think pressuring Bailey to step aside. Now, I called him, got a quote from him. You want yeah. yeah, to hear it? Yeah. Pretty good. It's pretty good in the whole like politics way of, of saying slightly mean things that yeah. we all go like, ooh.
2: So it's it's a <laughs> lot to think about quote. Yes.
3: Right? Yeah. Quote, it's clear to me that the regional problems we face from homelessness to crime to the unaffordability of housing is due to years of bad policy making. I don't have confidence that current or former regional leaders are up to the task or a, of addressing these issues in a meaningful way. I haven't made a decision, but I am strongly considering running for county board of supervisors. Did you see the shade in that?
2: That is a really spicy sort of subtweet, right? Yeah. You don't, you don't name them, but boy, that's, you describe them. That's some
3: some shade. Yeah. Lopez.
1: He could have just said regional leaders, but he made a point to say current. Or former.
3: Yes. Former. So yeah. uh, that's yeah. the cough, Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's and, the attack.
2: And you know, this is a tale as old as time, right? You take a long weekend, go to climb the world's highest mountain, and you come back, and someone's angling for the job that you were angling for. Yeah.
1: But you never said you were angling for the job.
2: Yeah, but I mean.
1: But people know. Yeah, so they, like, he should have known.
2: He'd called. He'd sort of called dibs on it, though, right? I mean, you Pretty don't. Much. You don't run sponsored Twitter ads, if if you aren't interested.
1: If you just want the people to know how awesome you are, okay, that's, maybe that's
2: that's fair. I it's mean- an
3: interesting race because I think that Bailey would probably win, like the Republican Party endorsement, if they had to fight, because those guys are a lot more ideological, mm-hmm. and he's more willing to say things sort of directly in that vein. Yeah, Faulkner's always tried to have that, have that like I don't actually say mean things uh, approach, um, and so, uh, but Faulkner has the better. Name ID, probably a little bit more money he's able to pull together. Probably in these races, nobody knows anything, right? Nobody Mm. knows what a county supervisor does. Do you think
1: there's a chance that they would both run?
3: Well, I do more now that he's given this sort of sign that he's not willing to back down. Now we'll see what happens in the next few weeks.
2: So obviously, Faulkner has a track record. But when it comes to these sorts of things, oftentimes a track record can be a bad thing, especially in this new Republican world that we're living in where things are a little more squarely, and there's a lot more ideology as opposed to, you know, uh, not more ideology, but definitely different
3: ideology. I think that Bailey would hit him on one main thing. Homelessness? N- no, actually, uh, Sandag. Hmm. You know how they all hate Sandag now? Yeah. Well, they all hate Sandag because of Hassan Krata. Hassan Akrata is the one that says like, we're well, if you want these climate goals, then you have to create a lot more yeah. transit and you have to charge people for driving. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, there's no other way to reach these goals. So you say you want these goals, here's how you reach it. Yeah,
2: he's the waiter who brought the receipt.
3: Right, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, do you know why Hassan Akrata is there? I,
2: judging from the way you frame framed this, I would imagine <laughs> Faulkner probably had a role.
3: Faulkner's the reason, Faulkner okay. very clearly stopped their choice of another person and supported the choice of this person. This Hasana has his job because of Kevin Faulkner and Hassan Akrata is despised by Republicans across the the region. So
2: But uh, but are these Republican, you know, leaders or the average Republican who's walking down the street? I, I, I gotta say I find it hard to believe that the average Republican really even knows what sandag is. I agree. But,
3: but they, they might have heard about the Driving tax, the driving uh, fee, yeah, and that pretty much. The reason you have the driving fee is because of Kevin Fall. Yeah, Boom. and, and Boom. that
2: that that did a big <laughs> that, that played a big role in Laura Lothian's election exactly. of Len
3: They would they would that would weigh down a lot. So I'm not sure uh, if that's uh, if that's what they would do or not. Mm-hmm. But um, it'll be very interesting to see.
2: Are we going to see a mailer? Kevin Faulkner is the godfather of the driving tax. I
1: see it like a, like on a crime show, you know, where they're yeah. like the crime boss and then like the people on the side yeah. and their lieutenants. and Just for a record, a Richard
2: like Bailey, that. you can't take that. But you can email me at jacob at VOSD.org and we can start to talk about terms.
3: <laughs>
1: or he's going to pull a Scott Lewis. <laughs>
3: uh, so that'll be interesting. Now, I like to focus on stakes. Mm-hmm. What's at stake here? Um, so... I, I think it's important. So if they're going to talk about unaffordability of housing, and this is a Republican, what he would probably say is like, we need more supply of housing, right? But, he, but um, Bailey oversees the city of Coronado and the city of Coronado is not allowing more housing to be built there. In fact, it's fighting that sort of thing. And mm-hmm. so how do you square the need for more supply of housing if you are also, your entire uh, effort has been to, to keep Mm -hmm. more housing from being developed in your town. Now he has a couple of responses for this. One is that Coronado is actually one of the more dense places in San Diego. Now I need to fact check exactly what he means by that. But um, uh, so there's that. And he says, uh, and this is where I think the stakes play out. We need to build more in unincorporated areas of the County. There's, uh, I don't know if you're familiar too much with this idea of urban limit lines, right? So these in in throughout cities in America, there's this concept of maybe we should draw a line where the city stops and where wildlife can be. Right. Uh-huh. And um, in this, we have gotten closer to that than we ever have over the last 20 years of discussion mm-hmm. with uh, the county itself doing a lot to um, stop development in unincorporated Areas in in more rural areas or this sort of thing, and so that is, I think, where this new front is going to be. Where Tara Lawson Reamer is part of that group that says, "No, the development needs to occur in existing urban areas, mm-hmm. uh, and we need to protect uh, environmental concerns outside of those areas." Mm. And I think what he's saying is, "Nah, we should build homes there." Nice. And and so when you talk about stakes, like this is the kind of stakes mm-hmm. at play where where it's harder, it's more expensive to build. In infill areas, in places that are already developed, there's already opposition and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, if you keep building out into the wildlands, you're going to have more uh, fire danger. You're going to have more traffic uh, and and impacts from automobile and commuting, and um, just sprawl in general taking away wildland. So hmm. it's a it that's I think the heart of this. Uh, choice you know which side of that do you choose
2: yeah that's
3: that's an interesting dichotomy
2: and is it, is and it your understanding that falconer would take a different tact on that I he mean- would just
3: never say <laughs> 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 he would just be like well you know there's a lot to be said about that particular problem and you know we'll work through it as yeah. we get closer and
2: so he's he's going to be the much to think about candidate
3: yeah yeah Thanks for listening to the Voice of San Diego podcast, the most popular public affairs podcast recorded in San Diego and designed to ruin your hopes for San Diego. Keep up with all of our coverage and big investigations with The Morning Report, our most popular product. Subscribe at VOSD.org/slash morning. That's VOSD.org/slash morning. I'm Scott Lewis, CEO and editor-in-chief at Voice San Diego. Andre Lopez Villafanya is our managing editor. Jacob McWinnie is our education reporter and Nate John is our excellent producer who is very good at what he does and I'm glad he's back. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week.